Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. We are Friday morning, a couple of days away from Man United's Premier League season starting. Optimism, Rob? Yes, I'm optimistic. I'm not unrealistic. I kind of do think we might not see everything that we want to see. But here we are just a few hours away from the first Premier League game of the season this evening, obviously kicking off on a Friday. And it all feels real now. You know, like the transfer window is ridiculously still ongoing. We're always going to talk about transfers until deadline day. But ultimately now we can start talking about some football, some actual sport. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to, to getting to Old Trafford on Sunday. United played Brighton at Old Trafford. Rob will be there. Uh to cast his eye over Eric Ten Hag's new Manchester United, even though it's actually probably looking as though maybe no, none of the new signings will actually Ranić start reserves, that game. Ranić reserves, someone called him the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, funny old summer has been, hasn't it? Obviously, uh, we'll talk today on the show about transfers, obviously, because we have to. Same old names, plus a new one, Hakim Ziyech. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that. That's cropped up over the last few days. We'll assess the possibility of that one happening. We'll talk uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously, because we haven't spoken, Rob, since Eric Ten Hag said Ronaldo and other players leaving during the game at Old Trafford last week was unacceptable. He used that word. Uh, we'll talk Garnacho. We'll talk Martial's injury, which obviously, you know, you, you, you watch this team in preseason, a new exciting front three, pressing all this business, mm-hmm. enthusiasm. And then you remember, oh, actually, yeah, Martial gets injured a lot. <laughs> that's probably a problem. Uh, but yeah, we'll look ahead to the Brighton game. Also, I spoke to uh, Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, uh, and the Sky team uh, on Thursday ahead of today. Uh, so keep an eye out on 90 Min's channels over the next few days because we'll be releasing some content there. Uh, maybe if we have time at the end, Rob, uh, we'll address Jamie Carragher calling Lisandro Martinez's height a problem. Uh, so keep an eye out for that one. But yes, uh, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes and watch us on YouTube twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays now as well. So hit the like button on this video, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment as well. We're seeing some really positive ones coming through in the DMs on the comment section on YouTube as well. We're getting added. Where's the show? All this kind of business. Uh, And we're thinking possibly we might start a Discord channel for you as well uh, ahead of the new season. Give us some time on that, though. Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe in the next few days, we'll and um, the next few shows, we'll be announcing something on that. But yes, uh, you can follow us on Twitter too at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise Land MU for the show as well. But yes, Rob, let's get into Brighton at home. Four uh, nil. This happened in the reverse last season. Uh, towards the end of last season, United were awful that day. Largely, the same players might be playing. How do we? What differences are we hoping to see here? Do you think this is a new, completely new leaf? Do you think any of these summer hangovers with not signing De Jong yet with Ronaldo and the cloud around him will affect the performance or is this a new start? 
I don't think they'll affect the performance, but all of these factors, certainly around the soap opera that is Cristiano Ronaldo and all the stuff that goes with transfers in this time of year, you know, we call it silly season for a reason, you know, because it, it just it just becomes chaotic and crazy. But I do trust that Eric Ten Hag is doing the work on the training pitch with these players. And we've said plenty of times that these players are not as bad as maybe results have shown. On the flip side, I do understand why fans are frustrated by that because they haven't seen the new shiny, exciting toys. There's always this perception, isn't there, that if the transfers don't happen, then it's it's complete malpractice. It's because United don't care. It's because of Glazonomics. It's this, that, the other. They're not backing the manager. No. It's not any of those things, unfortunately. It's just that when you're taking a football project like this, and Brighton's coming up the first game, I'm not surprised at all that Man United haven't got all their business done when you've got a transfer window that closes on September the 1st. So I do think that people need to calm down. Even if we go to see the Brighton game, Scott, on Sunday, and it's not what we want, Brighton, as a project, are way ahead of Manchester United. doesn't mean they've got a Ronaldo in their team, but they're way ahead of it. They know what their manager wants. Our guys, our players, are still learning on the job. So I'm sure we'll see some good things against Brighton. I'm absolutely convinced we'll see some bad stuff as well because it takes time to kind of iron out the creases in the curtains. Are you confident that United will get off to a positive start and win this one? No, not at all. But do you know what? My life does not depend on it, Scott. Like, this is the thing as a Man United fan. I'm going there to support my team. Great. I want to see United. I feel good about seeing United again. That's the other side of the coin. Last year, at the end of the season, it was just miserable. And it was miserable because you knew what you were going to see every week. I think there's an opportunity here now to build a genuine football team. So I feel good about that. But that doesn't mean you win every game. It really doesn't. Certainly in the early starts of the campaign. Look at Arsenal last season. How bad were they in the opening of the campaign? And I can remember after six, seven, eight games, people going, get Arteta out. He's this. He's that the other. I've already seen with the Amazon documentary, people saying he's a PE teacher. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, he's the right guy. But you've got to give him time. And losing is part of that process. So... Do I think United will lose against Brighton? I'm not going to be as bold as that. But I do think it's going to be tough. I think Brighton are a really valid Premier League team these days. Mid-table, at least. Really good coach. They might out-tactic United. They might just do that. Might just actually, you know, their shape might hurt United. And I think we saw it in pre-season. There were times when United looked really good on the front foot. And there were other times where they didn't look particularly good on the back foot. Yeah, it's important, obviously. I know we came off the back of like the worst ever Premier League season last season. The form, mm. the performances towards the end of last season was god-awful. It's worse than I've ever seen it, I think, in probably all my time supporting United and following United. Mm. If this doesn't go 100% to plan, United don't win, they drop points or something like that, I know like our listener base isn't the biggest and we're not going to have the ma- most massive influence, but... Just have some patience, honestly. I, I, What can you expect? I mean, yes, on paper, United should be winning this game every time. But like you say, Rob, Brighton are a good team. They're well coached. They know what they're doing. Every All the players know what they're doing. But this is going to be a slow burn. Ten Hag said the other day, uh, I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing him a bit here, but he said, we want speci- something along the lines of, we want specific targets. And obviously, they haven't signed Frankie de Jong yet. And... It, it, it gave me confidence in a sense. I know that at the same time, United are desperate for a midfielder. I know that. But Ten Hag's trying to do it his own way. And I don't think United 
from what he said there, are going to make the same mistakes of, oh, yeah, you know, he'll do. We'll fix this like temporarily. And then it ends up costing them later on. I think Ten Hag has a very specific plan for what he wants to do and needs to be supported in that by both the club and the fans as well. So it does, if it doesn't get off to the best start, understand. I know we've had like five or six new starts <laughs> since Alex Ferguson left, but it's another one now with probably the best coach of the bunch, hopefully. Uh, we'll see how it pans out. But yes, uh, just hold your horses. If it doesn't go to plan, you know, give him time, give him patience because that's what he needs. Yeah, look, look our audience here like runs into the several thousands across all our platforms up to kind of like up to 10,000 or onwards. We have a, what we would call a smaller audience in that way. And there are some channels. So, for instance, like some of the fan channels that have audiences in the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, up to the millions the problem is, Scott, is that those channels influence United's fan base massively and poke them all the time about stuff. Now, that's OK, because people watch it because they want to be entertained. They want to do all that. But you've got to have some realism in this. You've really got to. Is that it? things cannot be fixed like that. Because Man United would have done it the day Fergie left. They would have just gone, oh, this is easy. And that's how you win. And that's why you do it. Manchester City winning all these years is not easy. Liverpool winning, it's not easy. And I think that football fans just think it is because that's the world we live in today. So that's why with this show, we want to be a little bit more realistic about this stuff, isn't it? You know, I'm at the games. We can talk about those things, things that we actually see of our eyes. That's a good thing to be able to do, especially for our show and kind of media that we use. But overall, you still, even if you don't like it, you can't go away and just kind of cry about everything because you don't like the football. It's going to take time. Have Man United got the right manager in place? For me, yes, I think they have. I think they went and they got the right guy. Have they got the right plan in place? For me, yes, I think they have. Now you've got to go and build it. And it doesn't happen in a few weeks. I know Chelsea are doing this kind of mad rebuild and they're just interested in everyone. But that's because their owners are similar to the Glazers who tried to do this at Man United over the last 10 years, it didn't work. So good luck to Chelsea. It might work, it might not. But I don't want to see United do that anymore. I want to see United bring in players that can really push the needle in terms of positions at Old Trafford and actually have a team that, that that's feared again, that, that goes out on the football pitch and people will respect. People don't respect us, Scott. They don't respect our team. They laugh at us. So that has to change, but it ain't going to change even if you beat Brighton 10-0. Beat Brighton 10-0, what will people say? It's just Brighton. That's what they'll say. So I just want to see the guys go out there and put a performance in for their new manager. Fingers crossed, the kind of pre-season dictates that that's what they're trying to do. If United do beat Brighton 10-0, Rob, uh, who will be the centre-forward <laughs> that uh, bags four of the goals? Because Anthony Martial has been in line. He's had a good preseason. He's been in line to start this game. Mm. But obviously, obviously now picked up a hamstring injury. He is likely to miss this game. That beg now begs the question of, A, how should they line up? And B, what the hell happens with Ronaldo now? Because obviously he's come back. He's had 45 minutes or so under his belt of preseason uh, training or like friendlies. Ten Hag has said himself he's not fit yet. He needs to get fit. Obviously, there's this cloud hanging over United at the moment. What will Ronaldo do? He wants to leave, all this kind of stuff. Will he go? Will United let him go? Does Ten Hag want him? Is he setting a bad example? Obviously, there's been so much fuss around Ronaldo. Like, mm. And Ten Hag's already put his position out there. He said after Ronaldo left that friendly the other day, 
and yes, I, I got some stick for this when I tweeted it. Ronaldo wasn't the only player to leave. But when I look at Ronaldo and Diogo Dallo, like obviously international teammates, they probably built some kind of bond relationship. Dallo didn't play that game. <laughs> nope. Who's the leader there? Uh, I don't think it's Dallo, to be honest. Uh, Say so if somebody wants to get up, I, I would probably say, yeah, it's probably Ronaldo. I'm speculating there, but obviously there were other players there. But all this, there's so much fuss around it. Does Ten Hag, if he puts Ronaldo straight back in, lose a bit of power? Does that make Ronaldo win or does he need to resist and play someone else? Because Ronaldo is not fit yet. He's not. He's not fit. And I think the risk, like, you know, again, let's put this down to science and actual football. If you play this guy at his age that's not fit, what's going to happen? He's probably going to get injured. So I think that, again, sports science dictates a lot of this selection policy. I know it did with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I'd certainly know it did with Ralph Rannick. It has done with coaches for many, many years now. Um, I don't think that if your main striker you're going to start the campaign with, Anti Martial, is injured, there is no problem starting Cristiano Ronaldo if that's all you've got, if that's what you've got to do. You know, if you think, right, I'm going to play Ronaldo for an hour and then switch him because he can do an hour now, then great. If the sports science dictates it, do it. But I don't think, again, like this whole power struggle, struggle at Man United in a vacuum, you'll just sit there about Ronaldo leaving that game at half time. I was disgusted by that. As a United fan, I'm disgusted by it, any player. So it wasn't just at Ronaldo, but the difference between Delo and Ronaldo is twofold. Ronaldo played the game, yeah, and walked out at half time. I don't care if you got permission or not, it's not interesting to me. You stay, and that's exactly what the manager said afterwards. And Jagger Delo was just watching. He can go at half-time if he wants. You know, he's not there to be part of the match day, you know, ceremonial stuff, is he? Because he's not playing. So I saw a lot of people defending Ronaldo on that, and I'm just kind of mind-blown because I've spent a year or two or three absolutely ripping this dressing room to shreds, talking about people who are bad influences and they should go, and the Pogba factor and the Lingard factor, and it's boring. But the minute Ronaldo does anything, it's just like, oh, it's all right. You know, he's justified. He's not justified. So I think the best thing to do is get rid of him. I know you've said that as well. Move him on. That's what you've got to do. But on the first day of the season, Scott, if he's all you've got and, you know, he might be the guy that toe pokes a goal in, you win 1-0, you're not going to give up points to save face. So I think that's kind of where we stand on it. But it's up to the manager really to find a different way. I've said that I want to see Bruno Fernandes play a false nine role. I think he can do that. Now you've got Christian Eriksen. You've got to get Eriksen fit as well. And we do know that United trialled that in the Wrexham friendly behind closed doors. We actually know that bang on. They played false nine. And it's the only time in preseason they played it. They have got, they've got it up their sleeve. So let's see what they try and do now in this first game. Yeah, for me, I mean, the way the best way that Ten Hag can manage this is... To bring Ronaldo off the bench, I think. Put him on the bench and whichever way he wants to play. I, I know I said it yesterday. I'd like to see Garnacho start and maybe talk about him in a little bit more detail mm-hmm. later on. That won't happen, but as a, I would like to... He's very exciting. I'd like to see that happen. It's not going to. I think your more likely option is McTominay, Fred and Eriksen working in there somewhere with the, maybe on the left side, on the right side, and Bruno Fernandes in the false nine role. Maybe Alanga comes in. Something like that. But I maybe prefer to see Garnacho to someone like Alanga. But yeah, I think the best way that Ten Hag can probably manage his situation is he probably loses a bit of power if he starts Ronaldo, personally. I think if, and obviously with the fact that he's not completely fit as well, bring him off the bench. If you need a goal, bring him off the bench. If it's going well, bring him off the bench. You can get some minutes under his belt. I think 
that's probably the most sensible option for me. But yeah, talk about that false nine uh, mm. system a little bit more, Rob. What can we what can we expect? How will, how will that look? I think we've we've definitely seen in preseason that there is this marker against philosophy about what Man United are trying to do. So he, you know he's plays four two three one. So kind of with a lone striker, Martial's done that job really well, really admirably. He's kind of linked well with the forwards. But if you're going to play a false nine, it's the same shape, it's the same system. You can play it because in games, Ten Hag's been going to 4-3-3. You've seen it. It's been really it's there. You look at the shape. And if you play that 4-3-3, there's no problem with playing Bruno Fernandes as a false nine. Now, for me, Bruno Fernandes is a better footballer when he's in the opposition box. I don't particularly like him anywhere else. You know, when he's in the halfway line, I think he makes bad choices. When he's deeper, you know, only the other week he was saying, oh, my coaches from years gone by said I'll be number six one day. And I'm thinking, you're not Pirlo, mate, because he was talking about Pirlo. You know, it doesn't, I don't see it because it's, for me, he is that kind of trekkerista edge of the box. That's where his game is. And you can play that role as a number nine. You can play higher up as a false, false entity. So that's in your bag. It's just that we've not really seen it in a proper match yet. And I do think that uh, the way that Ten Hag used Tadic in years gone by Ajax, who's a midfielder, attacking midfielder, for a long time played centre forward when they need when he needed to, played as the nine, but in a false capacity. So I think we might see that against Brighton. I'm not 100% sure because they've not really practised it. But that's where, like you just saying there, does it show weakness if he starts Ronaldo? No, I don't think it does show weakness if he thinks that's the best option. If he's looking at what he's got, you've got your cards and you're playing poker, you don't get the chance to bluff in football. You can't go, oh, this is what I'm going to do. Oh, but we lost 3-0. <clears throat> that's not a clever way of running a football team. So I think you've got to go with whatever your best option is. I think it probably is Bruno Fernandes at the moment as, the, as a false nine. Bring a run out off the bench. What's the problem with that, Scott? The problem with that is if you bring him on after 65 minutes or 70 minutes, he's going to compromise your shape and your press. So that is a problem. So Ronaldo off the bench to me, you see, becomes more tricky because if United are playing well for an hour and then people are getting tired first game of the season, you bring Ronaldo on and Ronaldo goes, well, I don't press. Then Brighton will eat you on the counter press. That's what happened. So that's what I worried about. I think you bring, it's almost better to start Ronaldo and see how it goes. And then if you've got the opportunity to change it at half time or 60 minutes, then you can really go for the jugular and play a, you know. Does that, more. But my, my thing, my, my thing with that is, does that, if, if that does happen and he hooks Ronaldo when it's not going well, is that not more, will that not exacerbate the problem more than if he brought him on? Only in the papers. That's the same thing. Well, yeah, but at the same time, it, that if is I'm the a manager, problem. If I'm the manager, I'm the boss. I don't care what players think of me. They're here to do a job. I'm here to look after you to get you to do the good, the best job possible. Now, we've heard this week, Ronaldo's trained really well. We don't know if he's match fit. Of course, he probably isn't. He's not played games. But I think the manager has to make that choice. This is what Ole used to do. It's the same thing. People used to go at Ole, say, why are you playing McFred? Well, I don't think he wants to play McFred. It's what the best he's got. He's looking at the training pitch going, that's the best I've got. So <laughs> it's funny saying, is the greatest striker of all time the best you've got to play a game? Well, Maybe at the moment, but I think long term, yeah, Ronaldo won't be at the football club. He won't have the influence that he does today. And I think if you're Ten Hag, the only thing you should care about is winning. I'm coming to win. I want to win this first game and I will put my tail between my legs if it means Ronaldo scores that toe poke goal and you win 1-0. You take it. You take it now. Don't worry about reputation. Your reputation will be built on the long term of what you're bringing to the football club and how United play in the weeks and months ahead. That's got to be it, you see. Sometimes you've just got to put the fire out 
before you think about rebuilding the house. We are, of course, recording this before Eric Ten Hag speaks to the media on Friday. Obviously, United play Brighton on Sunday afternoon. Rob will be there as well. Let us know uh, in the comments section or on Twitter if you think uh, United will win this game. Uh, We'll come back to it maybe a little bit later on. Uh, If you think United will win this game, let us know. And how would be the best way to manage Ronaldo? Would it be bringing him off the bench if he's played 45 minutes of preseason games? Or would you start with him and... Yeah, we'll see. Rob and I, maybe two sides of the fence there. But uh, yeah, let us know what you think. We'll talk now, Rob, on some transfers because we always have to. There's a month left of the window. We said on Tuesday show that we talk about Benjamin Sesco. Uh, no real progress here yet, but there is interest from United. Uh, I think the problem at the moment is Salzburg don't want to sell him, as we've said on the show uh, already. Uh, they They want to progress with this player this season. But is there a, you know, I think uh, I was watching an interview this morning. I can't remember who said it, but it might have been Jamie Jackson, actually. Uh, if he plays in the Champions League and has a- an amazing group stage, and then in November, December, some club is like, oh, we'll, we'll gamble. We'll take him. His price will be inflated, and United risk losing out on him. So I know that United have Martial, but obviously he's injured. They have Ronaldo, uncertainty over him. Sesco. I mean, there's chat about 50 million euros. I'm not entirely sure how much it's going to take to bring him out of Salzburg at the moment. But should United press ahead with this one? And what what do you think, uh, what do you make of the latest? Well, when we broke it the last week, we talked about Sesco before, about his agent being met by Manchester United. His fee at that point was about 20 million euros. And here we are, a few days later, Manchester United are involved, tangibly involved. So they are talking to club and player and everyone they need to. And the price is now 50 million euros. So when we talk about gambles, this is, again, this is the whole thing about the football industry. And it? it's like, you know, what really is a gamble? Well, 50 million is a gamble, isn't it? Like, we've been playing the same for Sesco of what Chelsea are going to play for Cucurello. So like even Cucurello, I think at that price is ridiculous. Like, but yeah. that's, this is, you know, it's up to clubs. Clubs are inflating the market. And this is a problem. This is why Man United are finding that difficult. So would, would I go and get Sesco tomorrow? Yes, absolutely. Why? Because, you need these long-term projects at your football club. The hardest thing to do is to get them at Carrington. So, Sesco, as you just said there, he only needs to start the season, like the domestic season world. Forget the Champions League. You know, he just has to play because he hasn't really played much as a player, you know, in his career. Score some goals and people will want him. It's just what it is. He's that kind of talent. So, I'd like to see United get this one done early because I think the competition for him is going to be fierce because he's he's already that shiny toy, isn't he? People are like, oh, yeah, he's that player, that teenager that you go and get your next future star. And Man United need those more than they need the Ronaldos. That's what they need. Ronaldo sells shirts. Ronaldo makes fans happy because he's got three billion Instagram followers and they love him. And he'll and he'll do his sue and he'll do all that and he'll score you some goals. Great. But what you need is to think future proofing how do we get better now tomorrow next week next month next year and that's why you go and pay the money for someone like sesco yeah uh i mean we'll wait uh wait and see how this is going to go because united have a number of weeks left in the transfer window yet i don't think they get sesco sorry i don't think they get sesco because martial's got a hamstring injury i don't Hmm. think that's what it is because i think fans are saying that fans are going Oh, Martial's got a hamstring injury. He's out for, I don't know, we don't know yet. We'll hear more from Ten Hag now. Might be just a short period of time. I don't think Ten Hag goes, oh, we've got to get Sesco then, so let's pay 50 million. He, it, one thing Ten Hag said the other day in that interview where he said it was unacceptable to leave at half time, 
He said, we are being careful in the transfer market. This is what we want to do. We are doing this slowly because doing it quick means you make mistakes. I like that. I'm like, that's the guy. That's management. That's proper management. Someone up there who's thinking. So Sesco, I think, might be part of the wider plan. But even if he comes in, Scott, it doesn't mean he starts. You know, might be on our bench. He might, you know, give us a thrill because he's got those kind of talents. But I think United fans, again, just it's let that one burn a little bit and let's see what happens in the days ahead. It's a good option, to be fair, though. I think he's at the right age, probably, has, yeah. the, has good stature to actually play a bit part role like that and slowly integrate into the team and find Definitely. his way in English football. He's got he's got a good year, two years, with the squad as it stands now as potential understudy that could overtake. You know? Yeah, well, we said we talk a little bit about Garnacho today because I think there's a, there's, there is a comparison there, even though they're different positionally, because people get excited by youth talents, especially when you see that first bit of them. I always remember seeing Adin Yanazai in the early days and going... <laughs> And do you know what made the mistake of getting a Yanazai shirt? Anyway, did that was you a really? Ago. Yes, yes. Wow. So because yeah, I saw him and I thought, yeah, this guy's a real deal. Now that's where football can bluff you. You see, it's just what it is. So Garnacho, I do think is going to be a fantastic player. I think he's going to be a valid first team player this year. It's the same with Sesco. If you bring him to the football club, no matter what the fee is, doesn't always mean he's completely ready to do Manchester United things. It's a tough gig even for the most experienced players and we've seen that over years so Tesco would be a good option you'd have him on your bench and you'd work him in and he might quickly break through but I think like with Garnacho, you have to kind of have a little bit of patience you know he's he's only played like you know one half two halves of football in the whole of pre-season and yet there's this there's this groundswell now for him to start games I think that's going to be very tough for him he's brave he's fearless he's a great winger but do you know what is he going to help United in their defensive shape is he going to do all that work that you need uh, someone on the left to do to be able to support the team function I'm not so sure I really I really don't you know last year we said he had a great youth campaign but he just kind of wasn't quite there you know, I don't really know if he's made that step yet We'll see. I mean, Garnacho, Sesco, if they're both in and around the squad this season, you have time to learn Eric Ten Hag's methods on the training pitch. You have time to integrate yeah. all that kind of thing uh, and form form this identity in your head about how you're going to fit into this team very early on as well. So getting used to those ideas with the energy that comes with it too. But we should move on anyway, because talking of systems and uh, you know all of this kind of stuff, people being used to Eric Ten Hag's system, Frankie de Jong. <laughs> do you want to do you want to do that first, or should we go Hakim Ziyech first? Let's do de Jong first and end on Ziyech. I think. All right then. So Frankie de Jong, man, United want him. <laughs> uh, Thirteen weeks or something like that. Rob, obviously this week we haven't really spoken. I think we might have mentioned it in passing, but Chelsea's interest in Frankie de Jong has now formalised. Uh, they t- they're talking to Barcelona about. Obviously, uh, Cesar Azpilicueta signed a new contract yesterday. Marcos Alonso is wanted by Barcelona. Chelsea are looking at Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Frankie de Jong, all of these different players. Chelsea are signing Mark Cucciarella. They want Wesley Fofana. They want all these bunch of players. Is this... It's very scattergun. It's very football manager, isn't it? So, But Thomas Tuchel would like Frankie de Jong. I'm pretty sure of that. And also, you've got Jorginho and N'Golo Kante who are out of contract in a year. Jorginho, I think could end up leaving this summer. We'll see what happens with Kante. So Chelsea are probably looking to strengthen their midfield area. Frankie de Jong is, as we've said, one of the best centre midfielders on the market or not on the market. We're, you know, depending on what you read, not sure. Uh, but 
is this one does this one worry you rob um well, just to add a little caveat onto that, I've heard from a little birdie that uh, Eric Ten Hag's a big fan of Jorginho. So maybe watch that space in the weeks <laughs> and months to come or, you know, who knows. Um, I'm not worried about it because I try not to worry about it. <laughs> but I do think that Chelsea are a factor in this now. But I do think this is also part of the, the kind of, again, the silly season of, of, of transfers. So Barcelona and Chelsea are like that in terms of their ownership group at Chelsea and the directorship at the higher levels uh, of uh, Barcelona. Laporte is very close to Chelsea, quite happy to do business with them. So Barcelona did want uh, Azpilicueta and they did want Alonso and they were talking about that and they were talking for that for quite a long time so I'm quite surprised those things didn't happen and I'm actually quite surprised Azpilicueta signed a new deal so there's that but now you've got the Aubameyang factor so Aubameyang on a big wage at Barcelona he deferred his wage funnily enough isn't it the players that deferred their wages last year are now being asked to leave the football club isn't that strange but Aubameyang to Chelsea I think is on I think, I think Chelsea would like him we know that Aubameyang and Thomas Tuchel Borussia Dortmund days, big mates. I think Birmingham scored something like 75 goals in 100 games for, for his manager at Dortmund. So there is that. Well, Frankie de Jong, I still think there's a little bit of sleight of hand here. Like we talked about the poker game a minute ago. And is there some bluffing going on? We know that Barcelona are the biggest bluffers out of everyone. They really, really are. They make it up as they go along and they're really ruining football. I believe that. They're that kind of club. That were some Real Madrid were 20 years ago when they were doing the whole Galactico shtick of inflating markets. And they're doing that by mortgaging everything they've got. So good luck to them. But I think with Frankie de Jong, there still is this thing that he spoke to Ten Hag, he spoke to him two or three times, and he said that he would like to sign for Manchester United when this is all over. But that doesn't mean it happens. You know, Paul Gascoigne famously told Sir Alex Ferguson years ago that he would leave Newcastle and joined Manchester United. And Fergie went on a holiday. And then two weeks later, he came back and he'd signed for Tottenham because Tottenham bought Paul Gascoigne's family a house. That's the truth. That's what happened. That happens in football, funnily enough. So I think with Frankie de Jong, the big factor for me is lifestyle. London is a better lifestyle than Manchester. It's just the truth. I know United fans hate me when I say that every time. Living in leafy Cheshire is nice if you're a little bit older and you got you know you want your kids to go to a private school and you want a five million pound mansion, great. But I think when you're younger or you're that ilk mid twenties, London is a is a huge draw for players. So I think there's that on the table, and that's where we lie with it. I think I think Chelsea will put the money up. It's just whether Dion wants to go start playing Champions League football, Chelsea, or does he look at Chelsea and look at all of us now and go? It's a bit dysfunctional, this, you know, new ownership. Yeah. Do I want to be part of that? Or do I want to go to a manager that's already told me he will play me, that I will be the cornerstone of Manchester United's midfield and I will 100% know what the project is. So let's wait and see. Obviously, United don't scream functionality either. <laughs> they haven't uh, They haven't got it exactly right so far. But yeah, Sport have uh, doubled down on what we said the other day. Uh, in their report this morning on Frankie de Jong, that the de Jong case may be solved before the end of next week. Barca pressuring him to take a pay cut and, you know, work his way back into the wage structure that Barca are trying to meet in terms of, you know, La Liga's expectations, this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, two options on the table. We know the deferred wages issue. I think United probably need to act. I think we we might be nearing the end game on this, to be fair. I I think 
maybe by next week, I think we'll know something a bit more definitive. 14th of August was what was is the day day that Barcelona have to really register players and do it. So they've got to move their pieces really in the next seven days ish. But who knows with that club? Yeah, I mean, the way Chelsea are behaving this summer so far, you don't think that the deferred wages issue will be a problem for them. They have Champions League football. They have, you know, a coach who's won the Champions League. They're... It's worrying a little bit. It's the Frankie only thing... de Jong, the, the, the profile that Toboli wants, though. That's that's the big bit of this. Is is he the guy who's going to sell shirts, be that, that, that global ambassador for the Chelsea new brand? You know, this is why the, the Ronaldo link was strong. Because, no, I don't believe De Jong's that player. And I think that Man United look at that as well. And they're bringing De Jong in for football reasons, not for commercial ones. So that, for me, is, I think, a big stickling point. Because I think Chelsea will make a huge commercial signing. They've done it with Sterling. Sterling gives them that commerciality as an England national. And I don't know, you know, does De Jong add value to that squad in that way? Not 100% sure. Obviously, Barcelona won Bernardo Silva as well. So uh, Pep Guardiola said this morning that... If Bernardo wants to go in no uncertain terms, then Man City have a record of like he's not going. keeping. Play- I think he's going, isn't he? We knew uh, it. We knew we, we knew it uh, six months ago. We knew this. It was coming. He told loads of people, you know, and it got gone round in a big circle. It was like, well, if the if Barcelona come in for him and do it properly, he'll go. He said it'll go. So I think that that's the place we are. City are understanding that. I think Pep's words today um, clearly showed that the, the player is not one hundred percent committed to Manchester City. Uh, 13 like Rob don't tell me we've been talking about Frankie de Jong for three months and he's going to go to Chelsea just well this 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 is the again the soap opera football isn't it this is what happens it does happen I Manchester United I can remember the Ronaldinho when we just used Paul Gascoigne and I can remember Ronaldinho wanting to come to Man United and I can remember the the ownership at the time and uh the directorship going yeah yeah we do want him but we will bid 18.2 18.2 million, but Barcelona want 19.2. We're not going 19.2. And he then ended up going to Barcelona because he was at PSG at that time. Ugh, I remember that. And that was a million years ago. I, yeah. So I. it happens. And, and I think this is why you, you just said there about um, Manchester United's dysfunction behind the scenes. You know, it's similar to those things. I'm not sure it is. I think United now... The with perception, Hart, though. The perception is still Perception there. for fans. But perception in the business and the industry is that Man United have got their SHU know IT together because they're doing it the right way. They're not just United of years gone by would have just chucked money at this and it'd be Dion's done for 110 million. And we'll be like, 110 million? What? What was the How much did they want for him? 80 million. Um, so I think that that's the problem you see when it comes to that going forward for United is that there's always this perception about what they are. And maybe what they're going to become. And I think under Ten Hag, they'll be much more stoic in how they do their business. I'm fine with De Jong being a long game if that's just what it is. But you've got to go and get the player, haven't you, at the end of it. And if you don't get the player, okay, that's fine. But then you've got to go and get someone else. So there's all that. And we'll see, I think, with Ten Hag. For him, it's a new thing, isn't it, Scott? Like, he didn't have this control at Ajax. He didn't. So this is a new thing for this manager. He's coming to Man United, managing the biggest club in the world and having to pull the strings at one of the most biggest political entities in football history. That's a tough gig. So I think we have to give him time to breathe. But I like what they're doing. I like it that they're kind of not just pulling the trigger on a ton of players that maybe we don't actually want. So talking Chelsea, 
talking former Ajax players, talking Frankie de Jong's former teammates. Hakim Ziyech is the latest name. Uh, obviously, Yay. United, United the have... Thing. <laughs> the Ajax thing is still there. Bit of a risk, mind. Ziyech has been uh, underwhelming in the Premier League. He's been playing for Chelsea, wants to leave. Milan have been linked with him uh, a lot. And the latest team to be linked is United because obviously they do need... Well, they've been looking at Anthony. Priced out of the move so far. United don't want to pay that much. Ziyech no. will be a cheaper alternative. He's 29, though, I think. Yeah, maybe a... But he knows how to play in an Eric Ten Hag system. But is this like one too many for you? Or what, what do you make of this speculation? I haven't had time to check on it, check up on it myself with legitimacy. But the, the, the word is that Ten Hag wants him. Some in United are not so keen. Um, when we say some in United are not so keen, because obviously, again, this is the, the fractions of, of like the board. Um, I think at 8 million, which is what they're looking at, and the fact that he needs a move, and the fact that he knows this manager so well and the manager knows him. I'm a big ZH fan. When he went to Chelsea, I was like, that's a, that's a great move. He's a great player. And we've talked about youth, haven't we, a lot here at Man United, what you want to do. You want to reboot the youth. You want to go that direction, look for the future. But it doesn't hurt to go and get a player that can also help you now. Kind of put it in the Christian Eriksen camp of type of style of player who can help you pretty much on day one or day two. And you can move forward and keep your building. So ZH... You know, again, I've had discussions this week with people about it and about him and Anthony. And functionality-wise, they're very, very kind of... There's similarities there that you can get out of ZH that you would have Anthony. I'd rather have Anthony. But Anthony, at the end of the day, is going to probably get priced out of a move in this window just because of the way it is with Ajax. So I like ZH. He hasn't done it at Chelsea because, again, it just doesn't fit their style, you know, the way that they want to play. And I think that's hurt him massively. He's had a few injuries on top of that. But I'd be very excited about this transfer, really. This is where I think United need to go shopping now, Scott. I don't want to go shopping in the Neymar supermarket anymore. I'm not interested in that. I want actual footballers that turn up, put the shirt on, and go out there and give you a game. So, yeah, I'm going to play for Man United. So, I don't care that he's £8 million and failed at Chelsea. Not interested at that. I'm interested about what he can give Man United today. He's a really, really, really good player. And I think he'd be... Uh, He'd have a chip on his shoulder coming to Man United because it didn't work at Chelsea. I think he'd like to prove himself under a coach that he knows really well. Is there, is there a picture that's been floating around over the last few years of uh, Ziek wearing Man United merch before he moved to Chelsea? I think I've seen that. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, but yes, I mean, we'll see how this one goes. United do need... And I'm with you, actually, Rob. I mean, I don't want to see them buy players for 60 80 million every single time Chelsea are doing that now it, does, it seems like Chelsea are doing that I'd like United to get away from that be a bit smart yeah. yeah and 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 that's why the coach has to dictate it and again I've already seen you know, we talked about fan channels earlier on and the power that they have you know millions of subscribers you know there's been a lot of that oh have we now given Ten Hag too much power that's why we haven't got signings wouldn't you want this guy to come in and actually look at the squad you know, you might not like the squad. I might not like the squad. Scott, you don't like it either. But it doesn't mean that the manager comes in and just assassinates the whole squad so he can bring in his new players. You've got to do it the right way. And unfortunately, you know, he's been with these players now eight weeks on a training pitch. And we know that there's four or five that he's kind of decided after this eight weeks. Yeah, I think it's time to move them on. So there will be outgoing. So we've already said with Alex Tellis. Alex we Tellis haven't mentioned it. <laughs> we haven't mentioned Alex Tellis, have we? You know, the Alex Tellis section of the show. 
But, um, you know, with Alex Tellez, you know, he's clearly not good enough for Manchester United. He was played at left centre-back. People were like, he's turning him into a left-sided centre-back. No, he's not. He's getting rid of him. That's what he's doing. So, you know, maybe like playing Frankie de Jong at centre-back at Barcelona. So that's happened. That's moved on. But there's going to be other players too. And Zabi, Baye, there's going to be, there's going to be a, thing, a flood now of, of outgoings. And what does that allow you to do? allows you to bring players in because you're clearing your wage bill. So there's going to be a little bit of that now. 20-odd days, 25 days of the window left. I think it's going to be crazy, like at all clubs. I think it's going to be so many move, so much movement and so much money spent. And I think Man United will be part of that, but go and get the players that help you. If ZH helps you, go get him. Don't worry what the fans think. Don't worry what the fan channels think. Do it for you. Do it for the club. Do it for the fans at Old Trafford. Go win football matches for us. Uh, Rob, let's move on. Uh, last couple of minutes of the show, last uh, last few minutes. Uh, we'll maybe talk a little bit on Brighton before we go as well. But uh, yeah, I spoke to Jamie Carragher yesterday, Roy Keane, uh, Gary Neville. We have Michael Richards as well. Somehow recognised I was a Man United fan straight away as I shook his hand. I get that. Was... I get that all the time. <laughs> They're like, oh, you're here to cover Liverpool. You're the United fan, aren't you? And I'm like, I'm not the United fan. I'm just one United fan. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, keep an eye out because we'll have some uh, good stuff on 90 Min Football on the YouTube channel in the next few weeks. We'll have some on our social channels as well, hopefully today and tomorrow as well. And on 90min.com, the website, we'll, uh, we'll get some stuff written up as well. Jamie Carragher called Lisandro Martinez's height a problem when I asked him, because he wasn't the tallest centre-back himself, was he? I asked him how tall he yeah. was. Uh, under, he said, between five foot eleven and six foot, Martinez is five nine. He pointed out that that might be a problem in the Premier League in any position nowadays. He said mm. uh, he must have a good spring on him, good leap. Uh, but what? That's, this is another thing he said. And another thing was he'd be very concerned about having a centre back that height, especially from corners in set pieces and defending set pieces. So, are you going to flat out disagree with Jamie Carragher? Yeah, because we've just had multiple years of centre-backs that are supposedly good at heading the ball and are not. So there you go. So I, I think, again, I think the game's gone the other way. So I think Jamie Carragher is talking old money. Is that, yes, you would prefer every player to be six foot and above in every position, wouldn't you? That was the Mourinho way. Mourinho was like, every player has to be physical. Every player must be able to jump this high. Every player has to be this tall didn't really work for Jose at United, did it? It doesn't work in modern football anymore. When you go look at Man City some weeks, they look like the tiniest football team on the planet. Barcelona at their heyday in the last 20 years, tiny, tiny, tiny footballers running around Mascherano with Lionel Messi. <laughs> yeah, very, very tiny. It doesn't matter. Skill is better. You know, if you've got players who can do the job. But I think the main thing of football now, Scott, and it's there, is aggression. If you can play with controlled aggression and win your duels, I got no issues with Martinez going up against the bigger strikers in the Premier League. I don't think he's going to come up against a Tony and go, well, I can't do this. Because that's what's happened in the past. I think Victor Lindelof has been a problem in the air for Man United ever since he signed for the football club. That's why he didn't get in Mourinho's team in the early days, because it's like you can't hit the ball. It's a problem. But Harry Maguire, expert header of the ball, you know, considered the the Don from set pieces at his former clubs, come to Man United. You know, his nickname was Slabhead, isn't it? And he can't hit the ball. So what's all that about? So I think it's it's more about technique. It's more about aggression. Martinez has got that in droves. You know, like I did look at his numbers early. Like when I saw he was 5'9 last year and I thought, he's 5'9, 
but he's a better head of the ball than than uh, than Torres. It was like you know that that's who you were looking and comparing him to. So technically both very good, but not as not as aggressive as Martinez. And Martinez has got that kind of Premier League look about him. You know, Gabby Heinzer, he wasn't particularly high at all, was he? You know, he was kind of a, a normal sized human being. Um, and, and I like how he was tucked in all the time as well. Gabby. Yeah, and I think with Martinez, the fact that he can play anywhere on the left hand side of the game, and I'm talking left back, left left midfield, left centre back, that's huge in terms of bringing the ball out. It means that you're never worried. And that's why I think we've bought him. I think at 55 million, he is absolutely much better value than Cucurella at 55 million. Loads more value. Like he's played at a higher level with with Ajax in the Champions League. Ajax is Player of the Year. You know, Chelsea about to buy buy a guy from Brighton who's a fullback, and they're going to play him at centre back. That's why they're buying him. No one's talking about that. It's not a thing. No one's going. That's a that's a funny thing. But yet Martinez, his his height's a problem. No, not for me. I think he'll be all right. His heading stats are are out otherworldly. They're really, really good. You'd think he was six foot four. He wins loads of jewels in the air, covers that front post from corners, does all sorts of stuff, and he'll get into people, Scott. Like you met Roy Keane the other day. The reason why people love Roy is because Roy got into people, didn't he? Roy would fight you. He'd be like, that's what I want to do. I think Martinez is going to be that kind of player. We'll see if Martinez starts against Brighton. I don't th- are you expecting it? I, I'm not. I don't think not expecting it. Not expecting it because I think Harry Maguire is probably going to be the first pick. Sorry, people. I think that's how it will be this week. Um, and then I think it's about how, how do you put that partnership? It would not be surprised me if you say go with Varane and Maguire as a start and then you start to integrate Martinez in the next week, two or three. Um, it's only there's going to be an injury, I think, you'd push Martinez. But again, he's only been at the club a short time. You don't want to do his health in now and do a Pogba and be out for six, seven, eight, nine weeks because you played him too early. Um, I think you have to manage those things while trying to win football matches. Yep, United play Brighton on Sunday in the first game of the Premier League season. I hope I'm speaking with that much enthusiasm, Rob, when we do our next show on Tuesday. Never get too high, never get too low. That's my catchphrase, and I'm going to keep saying it because it really applies to Man United this year. I think we're going to see, Scott, loads of stuff we're excited about. That we'll see it and we'll be like, oh my God, look at the front three. What did they just do? 15 passes in the top corner from Martial. And then the following week, we'll be going, Aaron Maguire can't run. What's going on here? They look slow. Oh no, David De Gea didn't come for a cross. Oh no, look, David De Gea's made 25 saves now. You know, we didn't talk about Dean Henderson either, did we? You know, we should probably. Oh my God. Yeah, I, probably, I don't have time. And, you know, I don't we, have we time. We haven't got today, time sorry. for it. But, you know, but... Dean Henderson, take a good look at yourself, mate. That's what I'm going to leave it <laughs> at, right? Take a good look at yourself. Well, we will dedicate we'll dedicate some time to that in Tuesday show. I, I I'm sorry. I would love to talk about that right now, but I don't <laughs> yeah. have time. Uh, but yes. Uh, anyway, what the hell was that about? Uh, <laughs> spoil, spoil. You see, you this it. is a problem at Man United. It was a lot about who was the dressing room leak. I'm not going to say who it was or who it wasn't. But Dean Henderson really shouldn't have said that stuff. He's still a Man United player. He's, he's still got played. three, four years left on his contract. Still, United. And you're still, you're still a Manchester player. And he said he didn't want to be seen by the new manager because then he would have kept me. Really? No, I think that manager sanctioned your exit, mate. So um, it's, it is what it is. I think you need to get rid of people who uh, who don't look at Manchester United in the way that they should do. Yeah, you know, he sat on the bench last year, so did a lot of players. Yeah. 
Maybe next week we'll talk about Dean Henderson. Hopefully United will get off to a winning start against Brighton in the Premier League on Sunday. And we'll be back on Tuesday. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes. And watch us on YouTube twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays as well. So head over to the channel, like the video, subscribe, join the community as well. We'll be looking at into opening a Discord channel in the next few weeks as well uh, to keep in touch with you guys if you want to chat about the football or anything. And you can follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Rob, thank you very much for today. We'll see you Tuesday. Hopefully it's United 10-0 over Brighton this Sunday, but we will see. Thanks very much, everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.